but we must allow these circumstances to motivate us in our service for God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help me to use the truth of the message to challenge us. Lord, to see that our days on this earth, Lord, they need to be used to serve you. And we need to be busy about the Father's business. Help us, Lord, to evaluate our lives and see if there are things that we are wasting time in doing that we could spend our time better in your will. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would use the message to accomplish your will in our lives and in our church tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Bible tells us, if you'll look at our text in verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The emphasis is on the fact that people in the days of Noah did not know when the judgment would come. I want you to notice the wording, please. The Bible says in verse 38, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And then the Bible says, So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I asked the question, why did the people not hear or listen to Noah as he preached and as he built the ark? I know there's a lot of questions and even controversy about what Noah actually did and how long it took him to build the ark. Let's look at a couple of verses for reference sake tonight. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, if you will, please. Why is it that the people did not hear or listen uh, to Noah as he preached and built the ark to the place that they knew not? They just didn't know until the flood came and took them all away. Why did they not know? Uh, look at Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5. The Bible says this, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person. And the Bible describes him as a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And so he was a preacher of righteousness. And those, those words, bringing in the flood, I understand that to mean that he preached until the flood came. He preached righteousness. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews in chapter 11. I posed the question tonight, why uh, did the people not hear Noah? Uh, why did they not listen to him? Why were they not warned of the flood? Why did not they not get on the ark? We know that Noah preached. And the Bible said, bringing in the flood. He was a preacher of righteousness. And then Hebrews 11 and verse number 7, the Bible says this, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, 
And then these words, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. The common interest of life, the common interest of life was taking up the attention of the people of this day. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage. Now, uh, is, there, uh, is there a sin in eating and drinking? No, if there wasn't, we'd all be in trouble. Uh, we'd be in a bad shape tonight. There's no sin in eating and drinking. Uh, there's, no, there's no sin in, in marriage. There's no sin in family. Uh, but as we understand the scripture, they got so busy in these things that they didn't pay attention to the preacher of righteousness. They didn't pay attention to the building of the ark. They didn't pay attention to their condition. They were so busy. Now understand that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the coming of the Son of Man. And so it was not just the things, but the fact that they were so busy. And I'm concerned tonight, not, not as much about this for the world, uh, that, but even the Christian that has gotten so busy tonight in things. And, we, and I hear it all the time where there's nothing wrong with this and there's nothing wrong with that. And I understand that and I agree with that. But there is something wrong that we're so busy we don't think about doing what is right to, to do in the, uh, the will of God for our lives. Uh, take your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy, if you will. <clears throat> 2 Timothy, if you will, in chapter 3. Paul gives the same message to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he tells him in chapter 3, verse number 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times it shall come. Uh, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Verse number 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power or the life of godliness, denying the power thereof. And then the Bible says, from such turn away. Now I ask you tonight as we look at our culture, as we look at our society, and if you look at the best part of our society, does it not remind you of the busyness of what's going on in the days of Noah? And should we tonight not as uh, should we not tonight move with fear as did Noah in our service for the Lord? I mean, we need to be serious about this matter of rearing our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need to be serious about this matter of giving our children every opportunity to memorize Scripture and to learn Scripture songs and to be around the right kind of influence, the right kind of places. I mean, uh, in our day, our children need to be in every good and positive influence. But if we're not careful, we will be as they were in the days of Noah. We'll be so busy that we don't have time for that and I ask the question why are we so busy in those things what is it we're trying to achieve are we trying to find what Solomon found when he said I searched the world over and everything and every food and every action and every activity and every area of learning and I found that every single area basically was empty and to hear the whole conclusion of the matter was to fear God and serve God. 
if we're not careful, we're going to be swept away with this crowd that was so busy in life that they didn't even know when the flood came until it swept them all away. They didn't even pay attention to the preaching of Noah. They didn't even pay attention to the construction of the ark. And if we're not careful, we'll get swept away by this world and so busy we miss the will of God for our life. There's several things I want to point out from the book of Genesis. If you'll take your Bibles and if we studied Genesis 4, 5, and 6, we would find a description of the behavior of these people in this day. And understand the purpose of my preaching tonight is I point these things out that you look at those and say, yes, sir, that's exactly what's going on in our world today. That's exactly what we're experiencing today. Well, what Jesus said, nobody knows when Jesus will return. Nobody knows that except the Father which is in heaven. But I will give you a clue. I will give you a sign as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Folks, we've got to be motivated to live right and to serve God with our lives. In Genesis chapter 4, it begins by a religious perversion. The story of Cain and Abel. I'll not go through all the story. I'll just read a few of these verses to describe the attitude and the behavior of Cain that's not just given here, but is given in the book of apostasy or the book of Jude. Notice, if you will, in Genesis chapter 4, verse number 3, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground uh, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen? We see here a religious perversion. There's never been a day in the history of our nation where there is such a religious perversion as there is today. It began by the taking down of the Ten Commandments, which begins uh, to have no other God before us. There's one God, and that's the Creator God. He's the, he's the Creator. He's the Savior. He's the coming Judge. But we, we reasoned this thing until we said, well, we have to be kind to everybody because America was founded on religious freedom. No, it wasn't. America was founded on the right to worship the God of this Bible. And when we talk about religious freedom, we're not talking about all the religions of the world. When you read history, and yet we have a crowd today, they say, I don't care what you say, that's what I believe. And they're angry when you cross their religion just like Cain was. Now, if you read chapter 3, you'll find that God clothed Adam and Eve because their clothing for their shame was the use of fig leaves. And God said, that's not adequate. He killed a lamb and he took the skin of those and he covered them and he taught them what a proper offering was. He taught them what a proper covering was. And some may look at Cain and say, well, Cain has a good heart. Cain had a rebellious heart. Cain had a disobedient heart. He didn't do what God said to do. And we live in a day that we have a hard time with that. We have a hard time hearing that. 
We have a hard time for somebody to tell us that is wrong and that's absolutely wrong because of what the Word of God says. Now, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. If you and I went tomorrow and we talked to a hundred people, here's what the majority answer you would hear. Either they would say, I'm not interested at all, or they would say, I'm looking for a church that suits me, a church that fits me. May I say, America doesn't need churches that fits them. America needs churches that preaches God to change us, to make us like Christ. That's the purpose of church, and that's the purpose of the preaching of the Word of God. I hear it all the time. I'll do church my way. You can't tell me how to anything. You can't tell me how to talk, to walk, to dress, to think. And we have come up with religions today, one that talks spiritual and behaves carnally, one that talks spiritually and behaves sinful. And we have it even in our so-called churches today to the place that we have ordained to the pulpit the very thing that God said is an abomination. And what's sad is many Christians will get angry at the pastor and say, well, you shouldn't say that. Well, tell God he's the one who said it. I'm just a paper boy throwing the newspaper on your doorstep. If you don't like it, call the one that wrote the news. There was a religious apostasy. There was a religious perversion. Second of all, they were characterized by prosperity. Now, there's no sin in prosperity, but there is sin in allowing the prosperity of the day to keep us from serving God. Anything that gets between me and God has become an idol. And folks, you understand that this nation was founded on the principles of the Word of God and we knew and those of you my age knew that it was even a part of our culture that you went to Sunday school and you went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and many went to a training union and all the different activities and Wednesday night Bible studies and all of that and we've come to the place today that we're not interested in those things because we're too busy with prosperity. Now, don't, 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 don't misunderstand what God says. God prospers his people. But he never prospers his people to the place that they say, well, God, I don't have time to read my Bible today. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to teach my children right. I don't have time because I'm busy at prosperity. Friend, without God, prosperity is empty. Without God, prosperity has no value. Without God, prosperity. I have seen prosperity in this world. I've seen it, uh, I've seen it drunk. I've seen it uh, uh, drug addicted. I've seen it dirty. I've seen that it doesn't matter. It is a zero. It is a zero without putting Christ first in your life. America continues to enjoy prosperity at the hand of debt. We're a foolish nation. We borrow and borrow even from communist countries so that we can live a lavish lifestyle, not caring when payday is going to come. This busyness kept those in Noah's day from even paying attention to the fact that Noah was preaching righteousness and Noah was building an ark and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. I wonder tonight, I had a fellow ask me yesterday, so what, what, what day is this? Is this, is this Saturday or Sunday? I said, today's Saturday, tomorrow Sunday. Now, I can't imagine that, that kind of thinking. I mean, Sundays are just, I know when Sunday is. I mean, there are days, you know, you feel like, is this Wednesday or Thursday? I, I understand that, but buddy, I want to tell you something. I know when it's Sunday. 
We live in a world today, they have no idea of God. They have no thoughts of God. When they think of Sunday, they think of sports. When they think of Sunday, they think of rest. And I have folks tell me all the time, I can't go to church on Sunday. That's the only day I have to rest. Sometimes I jokingly say, that's why half our people come to get rest. I'm just kidding. You're not supposed to sleep when I preach. Prosperity. I'm thankful for everything God's done for us. Many folks come to see our church and they see our property and they're impressed by the buildings and impressed by the property. You know what I'm most impressed with? The God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. I don't want to ever come to the place that I'm more satisfied with the prosperity of God than I am the God of the blessing. Those days were characterized by pleasure. You look at Genesis chapter 4 and read through the verses of 20, 21, 22, you'll find that there was a, there was a pleasure in that day. And again, there is no sin in pleasure when pleasure is in its place. The pleasure is not our purpose for life. Work is our purpose for life and glorifying God. By the way, I want to remind you of a definition of what it means to glorify God. When I glorify God, I, that's not what I say about God. It's me showing God in my life. Jesus glorified God more than anyone because we saw God in Jesus. And to glorify God means let me show you God with my life. A day of pleasure. You and I are living in such a day of pleasure. Even Christians are so wrapped up in their plans of pleasure. They won't commit to a place of service because they can't be faithful because their pleasure is in the way. That makes you mad. You don't have to get over it. But I want you to look at me. I'm telling you when you come to the place that you say I can't commit to a place of service because I have so many plans of pleasure. Listen to me. We ought to be faithful in God's house. We ought to be faithful. And you young people, you ought to find your place of service and you ought to get a hold of it and serve there as long as you can because the day will come when you won't be able to serve. You won't be able to drive. You won't be able to teach. And you ought to get a hold of a place of service as a young man, a young lady, and you ought to serve God in that place and serve Him a long time. Pleasure. It was a day of amazing progress. I'll not take a long time here, but it's interesting when you studied the progress of the day. I wonder at what point will we be satisfied with our progress. We're so busy with our progress, making things better. I'm not against making things better, but I'm against the pursuit of progress to the place that we kick God out of the place and we kick God out of our life and progress becomes our God. They were characterized by polygamy. Let's look at this verse. Genesis 4.23, this is the first mention of it. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah. This is the first mention of polygamy in the Bible. You see, God set the standard when God made Adam, God made Eve. 
God only gave Adam one wife. He didn't bring him, he didn't say to Adam, here's two or three or four or five wives. He gave Adam one wife. This is the first example of polygamy in the Bible. By the way, when you find this type of boldness and sin, you find more to follow. Look at verse number 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. And let, let me pause right here uh, before I read the rest of this verse. In verse number 24, uh, God designed the home. And I'm hearing today, even among those that call themselves Christians, a rebellion against the simple, biological, scientific, biblical fact that there are only two genders, male and female, and God brought the man and the woman together in marriage, and only a man and a woman can bring children into this world. And you understand the crowd that cannot have children, the only way they can continue their wickedness and their abomination is to get your children and mine. And you and I ought to let these circumstances of our culture not cause us to give up and quit, but be determined to fight to teach our children the commandments and the truths of the Word of God. They're not going to know them by just being in this place. They're not going to know them by just having a, 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 a Bible on your coffee table. They have to hear the Word of God taught them. And let us decide tonight at the homosexual crowd, they've declared publicly, we will get your children. I mean, they're singing series of songs. They're after your children. You better understand tonight, and even in cartoons today, they're promoting this kind of wickedness, and it may look like a cartoon character, but what they're teaching your children, it is sad that Disney has more effect on the minds of children than Bible preaching does. We cannot allow that wicked perversion to be put in the minds and hearts of our children today. Characterized by polygamy. And then I want you to notice the pride. Notice the pride of Lamech. For I have slain a man to my wounding. Or I was wounded in killing a man. And a young man to my hurt. And then he said if Cain should be avenged sevenfold. Truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. I don't have time to develop all of this. But I want to give you the sense of what he's saying. He is justifying his wrongdoing by another wrongdoing, which seems to be the behavior of so many today. Even Christians who say, they don't say this is what the Bible says. They say, well, if she can do it, I can do it. If he can do it, I can do it. May I say, he or she or they are not the standard. The standard is the Word of God. The pastor is not the standard. The Word of God is the standard. The pastor is not, uh, he's to be an example of the Scripture, but the Scripture is true. And Lamech is saying here, if Cain can get away with that, and Cain can kill his brother, then I can do it. And he's justifying his murder and his behavior by others and taking advantage of the grace of God. It's interesting if you note here in verse number 18, and unto Enoch was born Erid, and Erid begat Mahujael, 
and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. Now, it's interesting when you study words and names, E-L is a name for God. For example, the, one of the most common, Elohim. E-L is God in Hebrew. And basically referring to him as the God of creation or to God in a general sense. And they were adding the name God to the names of their children. But then the name Mehujael, Mehujael, this name literally means blot out that jaw, J-A-H, is God. Here's what they were doing. They paid God lip service for a while. But the day came when they wanted God out of their lives and they wanted to live as though he did not exist. And I want to tell you, when I hear liberal politicians and when I hear conservative politicians and when I hear homosexuals and other infidels using the name of God, I realize that the days of Noah are here when you use God's name for the advantage of influence and yet you have no desire for God to control your life. Friend, we are living in the days of Noah. Chapter 6, they were days of pollution. The days of pollution. Chapter 6, first of all, in verses 5 and 6, you'll find social pollution. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his hearts was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Murder and crime were rampant in that society and today we're living in a society where crime and drugs and murder is absolutely on Main Street. I showed my wife a video this afternoon of an area of Philadelphia that Fox News, uh, they're, trying to, uh, they're trying to hinder uh, the selling and the promotion of a drug called the zombie drug. Veterinarians are using it for tranquilizers for animals and, and there are folks as low and as wicked that they don't care how they make money. So they're selling this drug and people are injecting this into their body. And there was a three-minute video. You ought to watch it. You, you, you ought to watch it. You adults ought to see. And they, they took the camera and they walked, I don't know, a half a mile or a mile down a sidewalk. And I'm telling you, people were walking like zombies as if they were acting out some kind of a movie and there's, there's, there, there's crime and there's filth. Now, now, we don't feel it because we can't see it, we can't smell it. It's all the way in Philadelphia. But that same wicked crowd that would sell it in Philadelphia, they'd sell it in Nicholasville if they had the opportunity to do it. And the fentanyl crowd is just about the same. And we're, we're living in that day... I cannot imagine doing something that would harm a dog or a cat, let alone a human being. You say, preacher, what in the world's going on? We're living in the days as it was in the days of Noah. What does that mean? 
I quit, I give up, there's no hope. Oh, wait a minute. Look around, see those children as they put their money in the offering and they're being taught by their parents to give. Look around and see children that are working to learn to use their Bible and they're learning in their Christian school or their home school or they're learning in their Sunday school class. Oh, folks, tonight, don't you give up, don't you quit. Be motivated until Jesus comes to do what's right to do. There was social pollution Chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, there was sexual pollution. Chapter 6, verse number 12, there's spiritual pollution. And he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. There's a work to be done. Four statements and I'm finished. Number one, decide to love God this week. Folks, love is not an emotion it is a decision that can be emotional. Love is a decision. Love God this week. Just, just, just tell God, I, I love you. I, I want to spend time with you. I want you to speak to me. Open your Bible and read it. Let God speak to you this week. Don't you get so busy. Don't you live like they lived in the days of Sodom. Don't you live like they lived in the days of Noah. That you're so busy that you can't open the Bible and let God speak to your heart. Love God like you should. Number two, do right. Let's, let, let's do right this week. Be honest with your fellow neighbor. Be honest. Whether you know the people or not, just be honest. Be honest. Honesty is a matter of who we are. It's not a matter of who we're dealing with. Let's be honest in our life. Let's be kind. Let's be spirit-filled. Let's do right with our lives. Let's let our light shine. Let's be the salt of the earth. Let's do what we're supposed to do. And it doesn't matter if we're down to the final family as it was in the days of Noah where just his three sons and their wives were the only one that got into the ark. If you thought you were the only one, do right anyway. Do right until Jesus comes. Do right. Number three, rear your family to love and serve God. Sit down with your boys and girls and tell them that there is a devil out to get them, but God loves them. And they need to know him. They need to know about him from the creator to the judge. From Genesis to Revelation, they need to know there's a God that loves them. They need to know that God made them. They're fearfully and they're wonderfully made. Rear your children. Hey, spend time with your children. Listen to me. Don't, don't, don't get so busy that you have time uh, for all of the work and the business and the television and the internet. You don't have time to rear your children. Spend time with your children this week. Repetition is key to rearing our children for God. Then last of all, let's reach somebody with the gospel this week. Let, let, let's determine with tracks in our pocket. We're going to say, God, give me an opportunity to lead someone to you this week. Let me take the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that was given to whosoever will. I love those songs tonight. That's what the Bible says. It says whosoever will. You let that boy, you let that girl, you let that teenager, you let that man and woman know God loves you and he wants you to have a home in heaven for all eternity. And I want to tell you how to get there. I have appointments this week and next week and the following week. Folks I'm praying for, folks that I don't know if they're saved or not. 
But I intend to ask them the question, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die? And let me tell you how easy God made it for you to have eternal life and know that heaven is your home. Let's win somebody to Christ this week. Folks, we're there, aren't we? If Jesus used this illustration in his day, and some 2,000 years later, we're there. Jesus is coming soon. It would be a wonderful thing as the thunder rolled for the trumpet to sound. Stand with me tonight. Oh, Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit of God, please stir our hearts tonight. Help us not to just go to church, but oh, God, stir our hearts.